listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. issues again in your life, but every one of us, there are no exceptions in different shapes or forms, are going to deal with a battle, a struggle. Now some of us, the difference is we know how to get the victory of that. We know the tools that God has given us. We know it's a constant thing. Come on, you don't just wake up in the morning and say today, thank you for the warrior within. You're going to handle all my problems and I'll never have another problem today. How many knows that's a great way to start your day? But your day doesn't just end there, does it? Life happens. Struggles and circumstances come. So that's a great place to start. But then you've got to continue to live that and realize that no matter the struggle, God is there. We have a warrior inside of us. Why? Because we need that. We need him to be with us. So where is the battlefield? What is this battle? What is this struggle that we're talking about? What is the greatest attack that you and I face? I'm telling you right now, it's the attack between your ears. It's the attack of your mind. Proverbs 23 verse 7 from the King James Version says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is He, as he thinks, as we think in our hearts, so we are. One translation says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he becomes, so he is. As you think, in other words, the word of God says, so you are. So what do we discover from that? Our mind is the leader or front runner of all the actions and the life that we live. Romans 8, 5 and 6 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, that's our goal, isn't it? To live according to God's Word and God's truth and to have His victory inside of us. Those who live according to that, the Bible says, we live according to the things of the Spirit. In other words, the way we think will determine the way that we Live A negative mind will equal a negative life. Verse 6, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded, God in control of your thinking, is life and peace. I love that. God doesn't just say, I'll be life. God says, I'll be life and peace. Come on, I want to be life and peace. And what does Satan know? He knows the life and peace that God wants to be, so he stops at nothing to try to destroy that. New Living Translation says, verse 6, If your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. But if the Holy Spirit, say with me, Emmanuel. Emmanuel. 
Emmanuel, if God is with me, but if the Holy Spirit, Emmanuel, controls your mind, there is life and peace. In this passage here, Paul is actually defining two categories of people. He's talking about those who are controlled by the wrong and those who are controlled or those who rather choose to follow after God. There was only one option one day until Jesus died. And because Jesus came and died, he offered us a way out, presenting to us another Option. Come on, He has offered to us the ability to win the battle in our minds and not allow Satan to bring to defeat. Our thoughts are so powerful. And that's why we must think the right thing. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul admonishes each one of us. He encourages us with some thoughts. He said, you've got to rejoice in God. And he said, just in case you didn't catch that, let me say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, he says. Again, I say rejoice. He goes on to say, be an example to other people. Let people see your life and who you are, that it will bring hope to them. He goes on to talk about that we must trust in God, that we cannot be anxious for anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, trusting God. And then what does he say? Then the peace. What do we discover? That we allow his peace to rule in our lives. That's awesome stuff, but that's not the end. Look what he says in Philippians 4 verse 8. He says, finally, brethren, finally, each and every one of you, whatsoever things are true. Come on, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely. Doesn't sound much like our mind this week. Can I have a witness in the house? Doesn't sound much like my mind when I woke up this morning because there was a struggle between my ears as the enemy tries to come in. Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, what? meditate, you've got to dwell, you've got to choose to think on these things. You have a choice today what you choose to meditate upon. What are you meditating on? Because what you meditate on is that which is going to feed your life and produce the results of your life. My notes in my Bible say this under verse 8. It says, your character and your conduct begin in your mind. Who you are, what you do, begins in your mind. What does he tell us we must do? Fill our minds with good stuff. Come on, the best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. The things to praise and not the things to curse. Look at this scripture, Matthew 12, 33. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree Bad, and it's fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. Here's the thought. Our thoughts produce fruit. Our thoughts produce fruit. Fruit that will either make the tree good, our lives good, or make our lives bad. The thoughts that you think, come on, where the mind goes, the man will follow. 
We've got to control our minds. What were we told last week? We have a warrior within us. Why is the warrior strategically placed inside of us so we can be victorious over the battle that is raging within us? Joyce Myers wrote an incredible book called The Battlefield of the Mind. If you've never read it, I encourage you to read it. And I was just flicking through it this week and I came across this quote that she says. She says, our enemy Satan attempts to defeat us with strategy and deceit through well-laid plans and deliberate deception. Let me say that again. Our enemy Satan attempts to defeat us with strategy and and deceit through well-laid plans and deliberate deceptions. In other words, he's watching you. Satan is watching you. He is studying your life. He is formulating a plan best fit to take you down. He's identifying your weaknesses. Satan knows your insecurities, he knows your weaknesses, and he knows your fears. He knows those things that bother you, and he is willing to invest any amount of time it takes to defeat you. You may say, but hold on a second, I don't think Satan can read my mind. He cannot. Satan, like us, is a created being. He has no power to read our minds. But I'm telling you this, he can read your Facebook. Come on, he can be on the other end of your phone conversations. He can be sitting on the cubicle beside you at work when you're telling everyone. You see, we defeat ourselves so much with the thoughts that we have that then begin to produce the words and the actions of our life. If you want to give Satan credit for anything, I think he's worthy of this. He's patient. He's patient. He's patient. He's patient. He's looking for our weak link. Then he strikes. Remember, no matter how strong we are, we are only as strong as our weakest point. We're only as strong as our weakest point. We can be built up in so many areas and we can have our lives really out of balance because we're only as strong as our weakest point. And I know that may sound negative today, but it's not because you've got to understand this. At our weakest point, the warrior desires to live. Because Paul says this when he was being struggled and he felt that something was sent by Satan to him. He says, Jesus, would you take this away from me? You can read it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He said, would you take it from me? Three times he asks and he doesn't get the answer that he wants. But really he gets the answer that every one of us needs. Because God says, my grace is sufficient for you. Because God says, in your weakest places, I can be strong. I can be your strength and I can be your power. You see, the weaknesses that Satan wants to identify in our lives can become strongholds of God in our life as the warrior inside of us takes those weaknesses and makes us strong in him. Satan wants to tell us stuff about ourselves. Have you ever had him tell you stuff about yourself? 
He doesn't tell you good things about yourself, does he, really? Or very rarely is it good. He just makes you feel real bad about yourself. If you've made a mistake and you've done ten things right and one thing's wrong, he's not giving you praise for the ten right. He is just jumping on the one wrong because that's what he wants to do. He doesn't just tell you stuff about yourself. He tells you stuff about other people. He tells you stuff about circumstances that just are not true. And listen to me, if he was to tell you the whole lie, because he doesn't tell the whole lie at one time. Why is that? Because if he was to present it all and bring it all out in the open, we would see it for the lie that it is. But he just gives us enough just to bait us, to show his intent, come on, and to woo us in to destroy our lives. Jesus said of Satan in John 8 verse 44, the last part, it says, For he is a liar, and he is the father of it. In other words, he wrote the book of lies and deception. He owns that. And all those things that we just talked about, that he bombards our minds with, are to try and destroy us. Anyone know what it is to have a bombarded mind? Anyone know what it is when the enemy comes? Does anyone know what I'm talking about? The battle that we have within every one of us. And when's the worst times? I know for me, the worst times are at night. In the middle of the night, everyone else is asleep. No one's really reachable. No one's really obtainable. So you feel isolated. You feel all alone. And he bombards you. And he reminds you again of everything that you've done wrong the previous day. And the problems that are going to be facing you tomorrow. And that the problems are your fault. And they're your doing. He begins to bombard you. When else does he bombard you? Not only in the middle of the night, but he bombards you after a major disappointment. Yeah, you know why it didn't work? You know why? Remember this, if Satan's lying to you, if you want to know if he's lying to you, if his lips are moving, he's lying to you. You've got no business to entertain a conversation with him. But come on, you know what it's like to be up in the night with those nagging thoughts. You know what it's like to have those suspicions. You know what it's like to have those doubts and fears, those wanderings, those reasonings, those theories in your life. Why? Because he's just moving slowly. He's just setting the course. He's just laying the trap. And then after he's laid the trap, guess what? He leaves you and I to finish the job. He leaves us to do the rest. He sows the seeds. But we're the ones that reap and produce the harvest of destruction. So what have we just said? Where are we at with this message today? Let's have a look. We're engaged in a war. There's a battle. Thank God there's a warrior though inside of us. There is the King of Kings, Lord and Lords that wants to be victorious over the battle that is raging within us. Our enemy is who? It's Satan. It's not flesh and blood. It's principalities and powers, which means it must change the way we fight. We can't fight Satan with guns and swords. We've got to fight him on our knees. We've got to fight him in the Word. We've got to fight him with praise and worship. We've got to fight him in church as we come together. We've got to fight the right fight. Come on, our enemy is Satan. And also, you could paraphrase and say, and ourselves. Because we're his greatest ally. 
We're the ones that helps him. Our mind is what? Our mind is the battleground. It's his playground. Where he comes to play and mess with you. And we're going to discover this. He wants to set up strongholds in our mind. He has a definite strategy of deception. He knows you. And he is patient and in no hurry. So let's look today at the warrior within us. What he can do. To bring the victory over the battle that's within. Turn to 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3 through 5. It's our passage for the day. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. And it says these words. For we do not walk in the flesh. We do not war according... For though we walk in the flesh, sorry. We do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or fleshly, but they are mighty in God. Say with me, Emmanuel. Emmanuel. They are mighty in God. Where is God? In me. The warrior in me. They are mighty. I have mighty weapons in God that is right there with me. For what? For the pulling down of strongholds. Notice what the Word of God says, pulling down Strongholds. You need to get this today. I know I may be repeating myself, but repetition with purpose. It's for purpose. And you know what purpose? Your purpose. It's your future that's dependent upon this. Satan wants to set up strongholds in your mind. A stronghold is an area in which we are held in bondage, literally a prison. And it's due to a certain way of thinking. Our thinking can put us in a bondage. A prison cell, creating a stronghold in our lives, leaving us what? Defeated in our minds. Listen to me, a defeated mind is a defeated life. A defeated mind, a stronghold mind of the enemy is going to produce bondages in our life. Why? Because all our actions and words are a direct result of our thoughts. If he controls our thinking... He controls our life. Read verse 5. Casting down arguments and every what? High thing. Here's what I think of when I read this. Every high thing. It's those things that start real small. It's those little thoughts that really at their first glance are pretty harmless and they're not really problems, but you begin to dwell on those thoughts, you begin to build on those thoughts, you begin to sleep on those thoughts, then you begin to misread what someone else has said and all of a sudden a small thing now begins to tower over you and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So really the high things I think are unchecked thoughts. Thoughts that you're not taking control over, but rather they're controlling you. Remember the old saying, how do you make a mountain out of a molehill? Keep piling on the dirt, don't you? It's that, just you keep piling on the dirt as you're up at night and you're piling on the dirt and it gets bigger and bigger. It's the arguments and the high things that we have already almost constructed in our own minds. Those things that exalt themselves, literally that present themselves, that stand opposed or in opposition to the knowledge of God. So what are we saying here? We've got arguments and thoughts uncontrolled that begin to tell us 
things of our life that are not things that God says of our life. That all of a sudden we don't represent the knowledge of Christ. What does that mean? Knowing what God says in his word, I am. So now I become different. I lose my identity in Christ. Because why the arguments and the thoughts and the high things have now told me who I am and what I need to be. It goes on to say, but bringing every thought. Come on, say with me, every thought. Taking complete control. Is that not what he's saying? He doesn't say bring some of your thoughts. He doesn't say bring almost all your thoughts. He's talking about a complete control. God is not interested. The warrior who lives inside of you is not interested in just a partial job. God doesn't just want to be a partial job and do just a little thing inside of you. God is about your whole life, your whole being, your family, your finances, your health, your future. God's about your whole life. Do I hear an amen? And he says, you've got to bring those things. What things? My thoughts. Say with me, my thoughts. I've got to bring my thoughts into captivity. To what? The obedience of Christ, the obedience of Christ. Quickly today, I want to give you four things from this passage of Scripture. I believe four keys to living with a victorious mind. Having a victorious mind because the warrior within wants to be victorious over the battle within. Four things. Point number one, you've got to cast down. Say with me, cast down. Cast down. Verse five again, it says, casting down arguments. As I was writing this message, I I asked myself this question, what's an argument? What is an argument? If you could pull up, there you go. What is an argument? I believe an argument is this. This is my definition. It's a discussion of perspective. Think about that. It's a discussion of perspective. Meaning what? The way you see something, take something, understand something can be different to someone else. So then what do you do? Your perspective on the situation then becomes a discussion and most times a heated discussion because you don't agree like them, you don't see like them, you don't think like them and you don't feel like them. So what do you do? You dig in and you say, no, I'm right. And you begin to argue your point. It's right to you. That's why you're arguing it. And obviously you're right and they are Wrong, because you're always right. You don't argue, argue in agreement. Well, let's go and eat at McDonald's. Yeah, great. No, it's not great. Yes, it is. You don't argue in agreement. You just argue a difference of perspective. And the Bible says that we've got to watch for those arguments. We've got to watch for the perspective of our life. And every high thing, those things that have constructed and you have constructed in your minds, those buildings that you have built that are not God buildings. I've talked with so many people and people who have been wounded in relationships particularly. And as a result of the wound in the relationship, they say, I'm never going to be hurt again. So what do they do? They build a wall all around their heart, around their life. And they say, I'm not going to let hurt come in ever again. You know, the only problem is the walls we build to keep the hurt out are also walls that will keep love out. They're also walls that will keep acceptance out. 
And from the inside, you may think you're in your castle and you are protected. But why not step out and look from a different perspective? Because from my side, it looks like you're in a prison to me. And so many times we can put ourselves in a bondage and a prison because of our arguments, our perspective. Many times, wrong perspective on life. And the wrong construction of those things that have been built up in our lives. The enemy wants nothing more than for you to believe his perspective of your life. For you to fail to see God's will and plan for your life. And in doing so, what do we do? We fight against the truth. So here's what we've got to do. Point number one, we've got to cast them down. We've got to play the truth or lie game. This is so important for you to play in your life. The truth or lie game. And if you're going to play it, you've got to play it right. Here's the rules of the game. It has to be based upon God's word and not your feelings and your perspective. Let me say that again. If you're going to play the game right, truth or lie, it's got to be based on God's word, your identity in Christ. Not your feelings, not your perspective, not your thoughts, not what other people have said to you because that would make it all wrong. So you've got to start asking the questions of your life. You need to start asking questions of your life like this. Am I a failure? What does God's word say? Does my God's word say I'm a failure? God's word says I'm a chosen generation. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a holy nation. I'm God's spe- That doesn't sound much like a failure to me. So when the enemy comes in with those thoughts, you've got to play the game and you've got to be honest enough to say that's not true. So what do you do? You cast that thing out. It doesn't belong. It doesn't stay. It's not who God says you are. Or what about this? Ask yourself this question. Am I unloved? I didn't say by the person who walked out on you last week. I said, according to God's word, what does God say? You are the apple of my eye. I love you with an everlasting love. That means I will never stop loving you. So is that a truth or is that a lie? Come on, you've got to cast the wrong things out or they will grow and elevate themselves and change the perspective of your life. Oh, here's another question you've got to ask yourself. Has God left me? Oh, the enemy's told you many times, God. God's left you. He doesn't love you. He doesn't care for you. You got to go back to God's word and remind yourself, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So is that a truth or it's a lie? It's a lie from the pit of hell because God has not left me. You got to discover and know what God's word says. And the only way you'll know that is by reading it and by studying it. I would love to see every one of you make the commitment with us starting on January the 1st, 2016. We're going to read through the Bible together in one year. Come on. It's going to change our lives because we're going to discover truths from God's word of who we are in Christ Jesus. The truth and not a lie. You've got to cast those things down. Remember David. I love David. David is probably my favorite biblical character. And we're going to look at him a little bit today to parallel this message. Remember when David says, I'll go and fight the giant, that Saul says, okay, if you're going to go, I'm going to equip you. So what does Saul do? Saul prepares David for battle with Goliath. By what? Giving him his armor. 
which for a man who was head and shoulders, Saul was head and shoulders above every other person. The Bible defines David at this time as a little young man. So here's a little boy almost in a man's man's armor. He wasn't just a man. He was head and shoulders above every one else. That wasn't a smart move to me. I'm thinking, how could that work out? But that's what the enemy wants to do. And we're going to see that today. He wants you to be fitted to something that God doesn't have for your life. He wants you to be burdened down with circumstances and situations that you'll never have the victory. No matter what's going on inside of your heart, you're never going to have the victory if you're burdened down in your mind. So what does David do? 1 Samuel 17, 39, David fastens his sword to his armor. Can you see this? Can you imagine what it must have been like for David? David wanted to go and fight when his brothers left, and he had to take care of the sheep. He wasn't happy about that. And now he has a chance to not just be all armored up and to be big and bad about himself. He's wearing the king's armor. This is something he dreamt of as a young boy every day. Wow, I want to fight and now I've got the opportunity and I've got the king's armor on me. Wow, this is absolutely incredible. I remember being a young boy once and had a dream car that I loved. And I always said, man, if one day I could have that car. I had a couple, but this particular car, I'm like, man, if only I could have one of those cars. And you know, one day I I used to work for a car dealership in England, BMW. And one day I was working for this dealership and this dream car came in the showroom. My sales manager told me, he said, hey, could you just go and take it for a drive and just take it around and and just see how it's... Man, he didn't ask me twice. I mean, I'm like, I'm just gone, you know, peeling out of the parking lot. I'm ready to go. This is my dream. Wow, I've always said if I could have any car, this would be what I would want. I remember sitting in there and I remembered adjusting the seat and adjusting the mirrors. and I was just all like giddy inside. I thought, wow, this is really cool. I mean, this is it, man. I may just get lost, you know. I may just, sorry, I, I got lost in my hometown. I don't know. I mean, just, you know, the traffic was really bad, you know. It took me three hours to go two miles, you know. Things were really tough. And I'm all excited and I remember turning the key. And I remember revving the engine. I was like, wow. The whole car shook. If you know what I'm talking about, when you're in one of those muscle, powerful cars, the whole car just shakes. And you're like, oh, this is good. I stalled it. Can I just give you the story? I stalled it. It it wasn't automatic. It was stick shift. And I wasn't used to the clutch. It was a real, a sports car has a different clutch that it just bites right at the end. It's just such a sensitive. So here's me. I'm revving it up. I'm ready to go. I'm like, that's not a good start. So I'm starting it again. And other people are watching. I'm like waving, feeling a fool of myself. And I remember taking off. And I remember driving through the streets of Norwich. And I remember saying to myself, this is not really what I thought it was. I was kind of really, to be honest with you, a little bit disappointed. I mean, I'd set myself up for all these years and now I'm living in my dream and I'm like, huh, it's not really as cool as I thought. You can't really see out of the windows. They're kind of really small and it... And, it, and, it, and it's kind of your feet, I mean, they're, they're like on top of each other. To, it, it, man, the seat's not really that comfortable. And, but you know what I found myself doing? But this is your favorite car. Oh, yeah, I love it. It's great. Oh, this is incredible. Wow. Incre- 
No, it's not really. It's not really what I... Have you ever been in a place like that in your life that you have, you've anticipated something so greatly, you've, you've built it up so much that when you're actually living in it, it's kind of disappointing? But you keep telling yourself that it's not, that it's really good and it's really what... This is David's experience right here. Wow. But man, the Bible says he tried to walk. <laughs> he couldn't even... Walk. Why? For he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I I cannot even walk with these. Here's the thought. If I can't walk with these, how can I even begin to fight with these things? It's no good. I have not, what did he say? Tested them. They're not me. They're not me. They're not me. Here's what David really said to Saul. Thanks for the offer, but no thanks. And the Bible says David took them off. You know how David took them off? He cast them off. And that's what you and I have got to do. We've got to realize that we've got to cast those wrong thoughts off of our mind. Maybe something we've fabricated and built for years. But the reality of it is not the reality of life that God has. And we've got to cast those things Aside. Why? Because if David would have gone in those things, he would have died in those things. If you don't cast off those thoughts, those thoughts are going to destroy your marriage. They're going to destroy your home. They're going to destroy your life. They're going to destroy your future. He cast them down. And you know what he said? That's not me. I haven't tested them. That's not who I am. Come on, you need to start telling yourself, I'm not a failure. That's not who I am, devil. I'm not unloved. I am. You've got to start casting those things down and saying, that's not me. That's not who I am. Come on, you've got to start weeding the garden of your mind. You've got to get rid of those wrong thoughts. Listen to me. Your past may explain why you are suffering, but we must not use it as an excuse to stay in bondage. Maybe the wrong decisions and choices have made the situations where they're at today. But guess what? That's not reason to stay in bondage. We've all messed up, but the greatest thing we can do today is start changing and casting off those things and start bringing on the things of God. We move on. Point number two, we've got to cast it down. And then number two, we've got to captivate. Captivate it. Captivate it. In other words, what do I mean by that? We've got to take control of our thoughts or our thoughts will control you. Even when we cast our thoughts aside, those wrong things... There is still a need in our hearts and in our minds to have captivation over our thoughts. Why? Because just like the devil has patience, he also has persistence. He won't leave you alone. Those things you cast aside today, they're going to be things that want that want to come back tomorrow. That's why you've got to keep a guard on your thoughts and your minds and captivate them. Even good thoughts can be bad if we don't captivate them in the right way. Why? Because pride can begin to raise. Look at me. I'm great. I'm awesome. We've got to captivate our thoughts, keeping them In the proper perspective. We've got to bring every thought into 
captivity. Everything begins with a thought. And what happens depends on whether we kill it or whether we feed it. Back to David. Look at the story. Here's post-battle. It really wasn't much of a fight, was it? Just one missile was fired and really the battle was over. David threw a rock out of his sling. He took the giant down. But look what it says. 1 Samuel 17, 50, 51. And David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. He struck the Philistine and he what? He killed him. Come on, say with me. He killed him. But there was no what? Sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran, verse 51, he stood over the Philistine. He took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head. Man, I could preach a whole message here because I'm telling you right now, what Satan means to destroy you and take you out, God's going to put in your hands that you're going to use to be victorious over the powers of darkness. Come on, there's a great thing that God has in store for us. He draws the sword of his enemy. He cuts off his head. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. What was David doing? The Bible says he killed the giant. The Bible clearly says that. He killed the giant. What is David doing? He's making double sure. Come on, he's making double sure. Oh, we've cast those thoughts aside and we need to cast those things aside. But you know what else we need to do? We need to cut off their heads so they can never captivate our thinking again. And we will not only know that, but notice what happened. Others will see it too. Because when David holds up the head of their champion, they realize he's really dead. At that point, they're thinking, oh, he's knocked down. He's going to get up again. Everything's still okay. But when David holds up that head, they realize that their champion is really dead. Come on, we're casting aside those things, but we're bringing those things into captivity also. We're beheading those lies of the enemy that he wants to put. Come on, those giants that want to come against us, those things that don't belong. No, you're not staying in my life any longer. The world is going to know. There's going to be a testimony to others around that I've been victorious in God. What's the third thing we see? Control. Control. You've got to control your mind. Say with me, control your mind. Control your mind. Second Timothy 1.7, God says, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Controlled thinking. How do we do that? I'm glad you asked. Verse 5, again from 2 Corinthians 10, gives us the answer. Here's how we control our mind. Verse 5, it says, bring every thought into captivity. And here's the key to the obedience of Christ. That's the key. I bring my thoughts to control or under control by the obedience of of Christ. What was the obedience of Christ? What was his obedience? His obedience was complete submission and agreement to the plan of God. In the garden, he says, not my will, but God, your will be done. What is the obedience of Christ? His willingness to submit to the plan and the purpose of God. So therefore, you know how I control my mind? Through the obedience of Christ or through a heart that is surrendered to God. A submissive heart is what controls my mind. Because what was the passage we read at the beginning? As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. 
Where our heart is determines where our life will be. That's why Proverbs 4.23, Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, said this, you keep your heart with all diligence. One translation says, above everything else, guard your heart. Why? Because out of your heart springs the issues. Your heart defines the boundaries of your life. I bring every thought into captivity according to the submission and the example of the willingness of surrender of Christ. And in doing so in my life, come on, I can have the victory over the power of my mind through a heart that is given to God's. Christ's obedience wasn't just a submission, was it? It started with a submission, but it was that which took him to the cross. And because he went to the cross, he died and he rose again to produce the victory for our lives. So his obedience is literally the victory and the freedom that you can have in your life. His obedience is our life. Controlling our mind is giving our lives totally over to God. Many people today are still in a constant battle in their minds. Why? Because they haven't fully surrendered their heart to God. They want a little bit of God. So they'll give themselves a little to God. Well, I don't want a little of God. I want all of God. So if I want all of God, I've got to give Him complete surrender and submission and control over my life. And as I do that, He promises to control my Thinking, giving me the strength to control my thinking. Oh, even when you surrender, there's still going to be some battles you face. Anyone know what I'm talking about? But there's a difference with the outcome now of those battles. Because the battles that used to be to defeat you, He now uses those battles to build you and strengthen you and to build your walk with Him. That's why James can say, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Why? Because those things aren't going to destroy you anymore through a controlled mind and God having your heart. They're going to build you and they're going to raise you up. I've got to end. The fourth thing is you've got to commit. You've got to commit to life. You've got to make a commitment to life. You've got to make a commitment to renewing your mind every day. You've got to keep your life, your mind fresh. Romans 12, 2 says this, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. You got to renew your mind each and you got to make a commitment to renewing your mind. I'm going to give you three quick tools that are going to help you renew your mind. You ready? Number one, God's Word. God's Word. God's Word is one of the greatest tools that we can have. John 8 32, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You've got to know the truth of God's Word. You've got to know who you are. I like what Jim did for our men, the real men, a couple of months ago. He gave us a sheet of scriptures to remind ourselves of our identity in Christ, who we are in Christ Jesus. What a weapon the Word of God is against the enemy, against the battle within. Here's the second tool that we've got to do. You ready? Praise and worship. Praise and worship, what a powerful tool. 
Satan has no answer to this except to silence you. The only answer against praise and worship Satan has is to silence your voice, to make you be silent and giving glory and honor to God. Come on, as we praise, the Bible said God's presence comes down and his presence makes all the difference. As we praise him, we knit a throne, we piece a throne where his presence can come down and dwell. Come on, his presence wants to dwell in your life as the praises go up. Come on, the power the blessings begin to come down. I heard a story once of someone who was driving down an interstate and when they were driving in this particular area of the country, they nearly went off the road because these jets flew so low. And man, their car was shaking and man, they nearly went off the road. And they think, what is that? And they're driving down and again, something flies over them. They're shaking again, something. And they're like, what is going on? And then suddenly they realize there's a military air force base right there. And they're thinking to themselves, wow, that's kind of crazy. And then on the side of the interstate, there's a billboard that reads these words. And the words say this, parting the noise. It's the sound of freedom. Come on, pardon the noise. It's the sound of freedom. Come on, devil, pardon the noise. Come on, it's my sound of freedom. I'm going to start praising God like I've never done before. I'm going to start worshiping Him like I've never done before because I'm committing to renewing my mind each and every day, keeping it strong and focused on the right thing. What about this tool, prayer? Wow. The tool of prayer tool of prayer. If you want an effective prayer life, develop a good personal relationship with God. You want to be effective in your prayer? Know God. Have a relationship with God. Get to know Jesus, his love for you, his desire for you, his purpose for you. Fill your prayers with his word. Come on, say with me today, Emmanuel. Come on, Emmanuel. What is that? It's God with me. Come on, make it personal. It's God with me. God, I thank you today that you are a warrior within. Why? Because you want to help me be victorious over the battle that's within me. Come on, there's a battle. But Emmanuel is our victory every time. If we'll just access his power. Come on, we've got to cast those things down. You've got to start playing that game. Is it truth or is it a lie? Come on, according to God's word, it's casting it down. That's not who I am. That's not who I am. Remind yourself who you are. Captivate your thoughts. Come on, take the heads off those giants so they cannot rise again. Take control through a life that's submitted and yielded and given to God. Commit your life daily What to renewing your mind through the word, through praise and worship, through prayer. And as you do those things, you will access the warrior who will be victorious over the battle. Why? Because greater is he who's within me than the thoughts of my mind. Every attack of the enemy. Come on, greater is he that is within me than anything in this world that comes against me. God is greater. Emmanuel in me is greater than. Would you stand to your feet all over this place? Come on, who receives that word today? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. 
At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.